And we are live. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Forever Rugby on Forever Sports. It is a Thursday, which means that it is fan forum time, and a lot to talk about on the back of the team announcement uh, that we saw from the All Blacks today. Uh, we also obviously have um, had the Springbok team for about two days now, although there was a change um, yesterday as a result of injury and a very interesting change as well. So we've got quite a lot to talk about as the uh, All Blacks look to try and stop a losing streak, which is which is actually gaining quite a lot of momentum. They have lost, I think it is six in the last seven matches, uh, um, something along those. Because it was the it was the last two that they won on the on tour, one Ireland, last two, last one. I think it's like lost five of the last seven or something like that. Yeah, anyway, they've right. lost the last they've lost the last three in a row. So they are. If they were to lose again, they would, it would be their fourth loss in a row um, for the first time in history. So an all-black side with their backs against the wall and not an all-black side that they played particularly well last week. First of all, Carl, you well? You're our, our fan for the night. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm good. It's uh, sweltering here in Scotland, which is unusual. But, um, summer's come a bit late for us, but uh, keen for some rugby this weekend. Not that I can play myself, but keen to watch them anyway. Yeah, well, I, I, I hung up the boots a long time ago, so, so there's, it's, it's, been, it's been very much watching me for a while. Um, but yeah, so, so two games this weekend, um, Australia, Argentina, and um, which, yeah, interesting because I, I thought that last weekend at one stage I thought Argentina were going to win quite comfortably. So the fact that Australia did come and pull through was, mm. was good on them. Um, and then, um, yeah, obviously we saw what has been one of the biggest, almost dominant victories the Springboks have had over the All Blacks um, ever. In fact, it actually does, uh, I think it's fifth most, uh, fifth biggest victory um, or biggest defeat of the All Blacks have had. The last time we beat them by more than 16 points, it was 17 points, it was 1928. Yeah. So it's almost a hundred years since 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 the Springboks dominated them um, that to that sort of extent, and I think that yeah, I mean scoreboard aside, it's, it's quite strange for any sort of Springbok side to really sort of beat a side by sort of sixteen seventy points. They're not necessarily a side that 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 do uh, put teams away particularly well. But Kyle, what did you make of of the performance on Saturday? Because it was the, the All Blacks had their opportunities, but I mean the the, the, the Springboks were pretty comfortable as far as recent clashes between them have been yeah i think the, the, the funny thing is in that clash they bar the now top three uh that that new zealand performance probably would have won them against and won the game against any other international side i reckon that would have beaten australia probably england at the moment and any other side i mean the the problem was that south africa's defense at the moment is just unbelievable <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, and it wasn't particularly good against Wales. People were a bit worried. Oh, what's happened to our defensive system and stuff like that? But we did, we did see a defensive masterclass. Um, yeah, you know it, and 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 I think you know everybody keeps sort of, and I see there's already something in the comments. You know, everybody keeps talking about, oh, but the All Blacks beat us 57 0 We have to do that. We're not that type of team. You know, the All, I mean, the, the, the Springboks have never been a, a high-scoring, absolutely drill teams. Um, because we are so defense orientated, we're very happy not to have the ball. We're very happy to defend for 80 minutes if we have to um, defend for 80 minutes. But I, I was I was very relieved and very impressed at 
and it wasn't just sort of the dominance in 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 the in the, in the actual collisions, but it was the rush defense worked so well. How often, you know, did they stop the ball from going out wide because they were the reads were so good. So it was much more characteristic of what we saw in in 2019. So I think for me, it was it was a relief to see that we had taken a big step forward um, defensively because that is what had made us so successful. Um, but again, I don't. I mean, I don't think the All Blacks were all that bad. Um, certainly, I don't think sort of crisis. I, I I think that there's quite a quite a few things that they can um, that they could do. Um, to quite easily turn that, that match around. The problem is, is do they have the personnel to do that? We have seen four changes. Two new props in. Um, Angus Toivaro has actually dropped out of the 23 completely, so Trevor Nyakarni has retired him for the time being. Um, we've got a change at 10, which is quite a big one. Obviously, Richie Mwanga coming in there. No Bowden Barrett. And then He's we've got the Shannon Frizzell, um, our resident wife, well, woman abuser, who is, gets his start. Um, what do you make of the changes? Frizzell, where's he? Is that um, a recent change? Uh, no, that was the thing that was there. Oh, sorry, was... sorry, I'm looking at the team from last week. My bad. <laughs> yeah, so um, <laughs> no, looking at the team from last week. Uh, yeah, Frizzell, I mean, obviously, not looking at indiscretions off the field, mm. uh, is a very, very good, uh, a very good player. And I think, uh, when he came on. Uh, for the for the All Blacks last week, he was probably closer to being what Ardi Sevier was doing all game than the rest of how flat the All Blacks looked. Um, and so I think they, it, it's probably justified to start him. Um, I think the All Blacks are going to suffer for a while from compounding pressure because of their own supporters, because of just the constant crap given to them by the media, for the coach, everything like that. I, I don't think they've They've got a. They have great supporters when they're winning and awful supporters when they're losing. Much like I've noticed the box did when you know when they were going through a rough days. Listen, listen. The box supporters don't quiet down even when we're winning. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think it's 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 such uncharted territory for an All Black side because you know their version of under pressure. I, I mean, I remember watching the All or Nothing series and when they lost that second test against the British Irish Lions. Uh, was it the first or the second test? Well, they, one of the two yeah. when they lost yeah. it and then they drew yeah. the third. They There was like a, like a whole like meltdown. They were like terrible all black side. Yeah, I mean, they, so I mean, they would, like, I mean, other people did sort of freak out after after one match, but there is for the first true. time, arguably, maybe for the first time ever, there is, they are genuinely in a crisis. You know, they are staring down the, the, the barrel of a gun. They lost two of their matches overseas last year um, on tour. They've now lost the series against Ireland. They've were they, they've lost the first game in the rugby championship. They were to win this weekend, they'd be two 0 down. I mean, I don't think they've ever been two 0 down in the rugby championship. Um, no, so, I and I was speaking to I was speaking to some of the people involved in the in the All Black setup, and they were saying that they've got quite an aggressive batch of media at the moment who are apparently very much um, you know adding to the narrative. Lots. Of, I mean, I think it was it was Julian Sevier came out um, and and hit out against everybody's comments about Ian Foster saying, you know, basically like, you know, you need to stop dehumanizing the guy and realize that he is, that he is um, just a normal guy and, and people are going um, very overboard. So it's, it is an interesting time for them. Um, and yeah, they've got their backs against the walls, but they're not a side which you historically have ever had to be good with their backs against the walls. You know, the box are a side which flourish under pressure. 
You know, they get written yeah. off. Everybody says it's useless. They come with a big performance. Everybody gets happy. They get written off, etc. It's kind of like a never-ending cycle. Um, the box have never walked into a World Cup expected to win and gone on to win it. You know, um, for example, mm-hmm. whereas New Zealand are always in the top one, two favorites every World Cup they they walk into. Um, but do you think the changes? I mean, Ethan Ethan De Groot, um, who said about well, four his in his press conference today. Tower Lomax at at uh, tight head. Uh, Frizzell at six, and then Richie Mwanga. I think let's stick with the pack for now. Do you think those... The biggest, obviously, thing was, is all about um, fronting up. Is, and, and and I think Frizzell is a very deliberate pick to bring that physicality, to try and bring someone who can try and resist the, the Bok. Well, I, yeah, I, to the, be honest, the Bok even, even going past that, I'd say... You know the typical thing of the the bomb squad is is more deadly, and I don't think that New Zealand has the reserves to front up to them. Well, what is it? Somebody was saying that, and they was they were spot on. They were saying, imagine you've been you've been battered by the likes of um, Fumulin, Etzebeth, Khaleesi, PSDF, the toy for for sixty minutes. You know you're, you're sucking in the, the the thin air. You know the, the the crowd is hostile. You you look at the bench and Jasper Visa, Kwaka Smith, Franco Mostert, Vincent Cox, Stephen Kitsoff, and Malcolm Ox all taking off their tracksuit. <laughs> they're going, no, come on, Ox. <laughs> literally, literally at that point, I'd be like, right, fuck this game. I'm not playing rugby anymore. Yeah, I know, and and because the thing is, I mean, you've got Akira Awani and Tupo Vai coming on, and and Fletcher Noel on 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 debut, Kote and George Bauer, but it's just it's just not the same. Um, as, I mean, as what the box get to deploy. I, I mean, obviously, Akira Iwan is just, I mean, he's amazing. But, uh, I, yeah, I don't see that being enough, like, at any point uh, to, to you know, combat the uh, the box first, even their first eight. Um, Ardis, I mean, Ardis Sevilla if, uh, will do as much as he can. He always does. And somehow, even in a terrible, you know, game, he'll still just shine as one of the best players in the world. But yeah, no, I, I, I don't think they have enough to front up to the, the, the forwards. Yeah. I think, I mean, and the fronting up really does start from this headpiece. And I thought they did quite well at um, neutralizing the box more last week. I mean, it wasn't, there were a couple of malls where the box did have a lot of ascendancy. Um, then um, they, they, they didn't get as much success as they probably would have thought they would have. And, he, and Quackle Smith even spoke about it yesterday in the press conference. He said that he they'd hoped for more reward, um, other than form of the penalties. They kind of, I think he was basically implying they thought that they had won a few penalties. Mm. But the scrums were one-way traffic. Uh, I mean, France Moherber, I think last week, put in a, a shift for the ages where people are starting to realize how important he is. But I mean, it was just, I mean, and, and, and you can see it with the changes, you know, as it Tangus Tavao has been, has been dropped out of the, the 23. You've got two new props in, um, Fletcher Newell on, on debut. They've brought in Cody Taylor instead of Dan, uh, Dan Cole. So, you know, they've made the only two players who have actually remained in the same jerseys last week in the front row out of the six are Samasoni Sakawao and George Bowen. Which I think uh, speaks volumes to the fact that that scrum wise, they were they were decimated last week, and they, and and I think that's I mean how many it was interesting. Somebody was actually sort of talking about you know the the, the penalties that Francois Herbert has gotten, how, how many points that he's he's actually won the screen marks from getting points in in the right positions, and I think people I'm hoping people are starting to understand the the sort of the whole kicking game and orientated the fact that you know you go up you can test I mean aerially once again the box were very dominant there but you you know, if you you either you're either winning the ball back 
or there's a very good chance of a, of a knock-on. And if there's a knock-on, you're suddenly sitting inside the All Blacks half, knowing that you've got a, a more dominant scrum. Um, even if you're knocking it on, you know, you, you're backing yourself to, to, to win reward there. So I think the more, I think last week Saturday was a very good sort of microscope into exactly how the box want to play. Um, in, well, in yeah, I mean, if, if I look back at the, the game on Saturday, it's the first time in God knows how long where I've looked at a game where the All Blacks have been playing and thought, yeah, no, they're not winning this one. They're, they've got no hope of winning this match. And that's the first time I've thought that about the All Blacks. God knows how long. Well, I mean, I think since, I mean, especially since we've been alive, they've just been this, this, this dominant force that they are, they've always been the barometer um, for, yeah. for what, what a good rugby side is. And it, it was yeah. always compared to, to the All Blacks and stuff. And, and for the first time, I mean, they're fifth in the world, uh, which is quite a hack because from, from a, from a Bok fan rating, you know, everybody's moaning about not being world number one, but beating them this weekend is from a world ranking point of view, simply beating the fifth in the world at home. So there's actually not that many ranking points available, despite the fact that you could be beating the All Blacks for the second week in a row, which you know traditionally is is, is unheard of. But uh, from a world ranking point of view, doesn't doesn't actually mean that much, which is a which is a very stunning reflection of of where this All Black side is at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think people are probably overestimating how much of a crisis they're in. Um, a year out from a World Cup. I, I don't see this trend continuing all the way to the World Cup. Um, and to be honest, I'd rather lose now than at the World Cup. So um, at least then you have time to fix your errors. Yeah, well, I think if there's, if there's anything that Rusty Erasmus and Jacques Nienaba did show from the last World Cup is that you can turn things around quite quickly. Yeah. Uh, 2018, look, we were, we were um, you know, our backs against the wall. Um, for a lot of them, and and then we got that that very important victory where Rusty Russell basically said if we didn't if we lost that match, you know he was going to get sacked, etc., etc. Eighteen months later, not less less than eighteen months later, we lifted the World Cup. So, um, you know, there's there is still quite a lot that they could do. Um, but also some some of these even sort of pundits, some of the players were actually were, were saying that they reckon that we could also just be in a genuine dip in in the quality of player. Um, which, which is an interesting idea because I still look at this at the side and there's so many good players there. Um, but I don't think that it is the same as the golden generation of 2010, 2000, you know, 16, 17, where it was just disgusting. I mean, you looked at the players that weren't playing um, even more than just the players that were playing and, and your yeah. Kieran and your Richie McCaws and your Jerome Kano's and your Brody Retallick when he was World Player of the Year next to Sam Whitelock at his peak and your Owen Franks. And, you know, it was just, it was ludicrous. You know, Bowden Barrett was playing off the bench, you know, for Dan Carter and, and shit I like mean, that. I mean, I think the biggest thing that's hurting New Zealand is um, South Africa's departure from Super Rugby. Yeah, well, it's interesting. And, 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 uh, Ian Foster said that last week when I was up in the spread mm-hmm. in his press conference, he said that how much he's missed. Um, he misses that playing South African in Super Rugby. Yeah. Um, I think it's uh, it was a huge loss for the franchise. I mean, it made sense for the South African teams. Um, but it's not the same competition anymore. It's, to be honest, kind of boring a bit. Not, not, not so one-sided anymore because the Brumbies are doing really well. Um, and I assume the Waratahs will pick it up a little bit next year, considering they've now signed, um, what's his name? Um, yeah, uh, 
big winger. What's his name again? Plays for uh, Leicester or did play for Leicester. Nadolo, Waratahs of San San oh, yeah, Nadolo. Okay, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I'm I'm keen to see him back in Super Rugby at least, at, but this time playing for an Aussie team. <laughs> Yeah, and, and look, I mean, the Aussie teams are going to have to step up. And look, the hope is that they, I mean, but also, you know, there's a whole talk where, where apparently the Aussies were thinking about their long term future with Super Rugby. Um, you know, they, they're busy trying to decide how can they revive rugby in Australia and really get um, get it going. And, and, and they'll say one of the solutions could be to leave Super Rugby and to try and basically implement a proper domestic, you know, competition, which, which to try and get fans in it and to try and sort of start taking on. Um, Aussie rules and taking on league and stuff like that. So I think New Zealand rugby are suddenly in a bit of a crisis where mm. they're kind of that awkward cousin in the corner where 10 years ago, you know, they were the most valuable brand in the world and everybody had to be associated with them. They, in many ways, and ironically, they actually were sort of saying they didn't really see the value in having the, the SA team. So they were they didn't see that much of an issue when, you know, I mean, they I mean, the whole uh, Super Rugby, um, Aratoa and, and the whole thing, they were saying, well, actually, it's quite cool. We actually don't want the South African teams. And the South African was like, okay, fine. Well, then we go to Europe. And now we're sitting there going, oh, hang on. The South African sides are now reaping all the benefits of going to Europe and, and some going into now the European um, Champions Cup and the Challenge Cup. Um, and a lot of anger and, over that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Especially from France. Are... I mean, this, this, this whole... I mean, if if you look at like historically, I mean, same thing when people are like, um, you can't you can't join the Six Nations because you know then it wouldn't it wouldn't be the Six Nations anymore. And it was like, well, the Six Nations were the Four Nations, it was the Home Nations. Then we added more team, then we added another team, and it's funny how nobody nobody cared about Georgia rugby and and developing European rugby until suddenly South Africa has joined. Then all of a sudden it was like, well, why aren't we giving Georgia a chance? Why aren't we giving you know? And you're like, Oaks, don't don't try and pretend that you actually care. About Georgian rugby, <laughs> let's, I mean, let's just be serious. Yeah, the thing is, like, it's it's a tough one between those two because majority of the time, until well, in fact, every single time until the last game, Italy would beat Georgia, and that would be you know they 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 turn around turn up once every now and then, beat one of the big big nations, um, and I think it, the sad thing is Italy should be better than they are. They have some quality players. And I, I just don't know what the what what a way to turn it around for them would be. They've got what maybe two, three, fairly okay club sides. I mean, Treviso is good, but um, Zebra is not great. Uh, and then there's not really any competitive ones outside of that. So that's their biggest Look, issue. They, they need do, home. They, they... There is there is suddenly a, a bit of a, a bit of a golden generation coming through in with the under twenty. So I don't think next year yeah. next World Cup, but but twenty twenty seven should be very interesting because I mean the under twenties have beaten England twice in the last um, last year. They, the the actual senior team obviously be <laughs> hey 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 as as South Africa's we can confirm that Warren rugby with and it can be winning rugby. But <laughs> you know I think we are we are seeing a bit of a hopefully hopefully seeing a, a very interesting new generation um, of Italian players coming through. And it's about time, really. And, you know, ideally, you want to bring George in and you want to see Georgia playing good rugby. You want to see Romania, you know, coming in and playing good rugby. You want to see Spain playing Spanish players and not getting disqualified for eligibility uh, issues. But also playing good rugby I, I, I because want to watch we... Chile. <laughs> I want to watch Chile. Yeah, I'd say that's, that whole Chile thing. I mean, the fly half, everybody's now saying that they, they reckon that he could get a, get a contract in Europe. So it's good to see I mean, that there has... Yeah. 
it, it does seem to be a little bit of growth or more growth um, worldwide. Uruguay, obviously, coming for the, for the under 20 series last year was quite cool. Um, there was just, my frustration is it always seems to be in spite of world rugby rather than because of world rugby. Um, there still seems to be very little being done from the very top to, to develop these other nations, stuff like that. Um, but but we are starting to see it uh, a, a little bit more. Um, but for, for this weekend, um, Richie Mwanga at, at, at 10, which is, is an interesting shout, um, for, for, for one or two reasons. First of all, he's quite a different player from, from Bowen Barrett. Yeah. People are alluding to the fact that they reckon the kicking game will obviously be a lot more varied um, and probably executed a bit better, maybe. Um, but also very interesting because, for me, Bowden Barrett has been one of the very few players who have actually been playing pretty good rugby. Um, and I thought that before the, before the clash on Saturday, he kind of looked like him and Adi Sevier at times have looked like players who are just like, well, you are stuffing around, so we're going to do it ourselves. Um, they so did he has, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, well, nobody else can do it, so I'm going to have to do it. Fuck um, it, I'll do so, it <laughs> so it's quite a literary type sort of an attitude. So it's quite a big call to, to put him on the bench. Um, do you think it's the right call? Oh, I think Ronald's got a good call. Give it, uh, Chile giving the Sharks this fly half. I'd be happy with that. Because no. God damn, we need one. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um, then we might actually be a good side. Uh, I think what I would have done, I would have done the same thing as, as what they've done now. Um, my The only thing that I would have changed had Bowden not been smacked out of the air like that was I would have chucked him at fullback instead of Geordie. Mm. But because of that, I, I would have done what they've done now. Yeah, well, I mean, I was, at, so I, was, I, was I posted a video on Twitter because uh, I, was, I was at the training and stuff like that. Uh, and the good news is that he does look like he's he's, he's 100. There was no sort of... He was, he was moving around very not, very well and stuff like that. Uh, Geordie also is also, but to be fair, he's also carrying a bit of an injury with that ankle of his. Um, yeah. But a lot of people have actually been calling to see Will Jordan at fullback, um, and Jordy actually dropped, which which is which is which is quite an interesting idea. But I think the biggest issue, and and a lot of people are, I can't understand why why sort of the Orbla. And in fact, I mean, Ian Foster was literally asked about today by one of the New Zealand media, where he basically said, "Your midfield is your midfield's pretty crap. Why haven't you changed it?" Um, I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't think it's crap, but you're putting them against the two best centers in the world. Like, Am is the best center in the world, bar none. People are putting Am in the, in the world player of the year sort of uh, categories already, you know, and as, as a leading be. candidate. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, I, that guy's, I mean, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, DLND is just a fucking brick wall. Like, what are you going to do? I think what, I mean, I think Tuvasa Shek has a very good future coming up. Uh, probably a bit too early to put him in. Um, I mean, I, I think Havili's a really good player, but I much preferred him when he played 15. Not for the All Blacks, yeah. really, but for the Crusaders. I thought he was yeah, a better player. I- Look, I mean, they, they, they do have a couple of players out. Um, you know, I, yeah. think, I think Jack Goodhue coming back will be a big boost for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people have been calling for um, Caleb Clark to, to run out in the centres, which is an interesting idea because, you know, people are, I mean, so it's it's, it's so interesting because I mean, you always get sort of 57 people who love the idea of wing to centre or centre to wing. The other people having meltdowns about the other way. For example, Springbok Twitter this week, 
even on this channel as well, everybody's just having an absolute meltdown about JC Creel on the wing, which I, I really struggle to understand why it's such a big deal. I mean, um, is it, I, I could kind of understand it if like he's not in the long-term goal to the World Cup, which kind of that that would I would that would make sense for me. Um, I understand why they brought they brought up a youngster into the squad. He's not going to play. He's just going to be there for experience and training. Um, but I I wouldn't put Caleb Clark in the centers because they're not going to change Rico. Rico will stay no. thirteen. Regardless, he's yeah. too good. And then you've got two people fairly similar playing 12-13. I don't think it would work. Yeah, it's I, I, I think the biggest issue is that they've just kind of feeling that they need something different. Um, that 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 they've they've persisted with it with the midfield for quite a long time, which is is struggling. Um, some people are saying, you know, maybe do you put a Barrett in the centres, or you know, just something a bit different? Because um, because David Havili has been kind of under quite a lot of pressure. Um, just not for playing badly, but kind of just being, um, kind I don't of just being there, really. Well. I don't think, he yeah, I, mean, I think that's kind of the problem. It's, it's that he, it's, 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 he's just kind of a little bit nebulous, you know, he's not bad, but you're just not seeing him bring enough various contributions. Uh, somebody the other day was saying, I thought it was an interesting idea, which was, was, um, letting, I oh, didn't do it, it wasn't brilliant at uh, at Super Rugby level, but um, having Jordy Barrett run out of 12 for a game and just sort of see if that if it adds anything. Um, I, I mean, I wouldn't do it now. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, to be fair, what have you got to lose? <laughs> probably a lot, considering it's New Zealand. Um, continuing a uh, successive loss streak, uh, dropping even further down the world, world rankings, all those kind of things that they absolutely love to hear about. I mean, if you're spiraling, um, you might as well spiral and spiral style. Uh, yeah, I don't like... I think Will Jordan is a better 15. He's obviously a very good wing. But um, I think putting him at 15 and then... Is Fyang and Nuku injured? Uh, I've got the injury just somewhere. If he's not, I would have chucked him on the wing. Guy's huge. Um, I think he might have been injured. Yeah, because he he's got a, a good career ahead of him, I reckon. Yeah, um, I think. But I think I'm trying to work out where that was. Um, I had the. I'm trying to find out because they're missing quite a few players. Look, that, that is that is another thing which which I don't think people are um are, are giving enough credit. They do have some pretty big injuries and some pretty important positions. You know, for example, not I know he's up and playing his, his best of his best rugby, but not having Brody Vitalik in your side when you're taking on the screen box is a massive loss. Um, oh, I don't when that guy... that. Sorry, not not you. I'm looking at the comments. <laughs> I was about to say, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> playing Le- Leicester uh, is big but slow. Have you seen that guy off the mark? He's rapid. He looks slow, but he's deceptively fast. And he's do, you know what, do you know what's been very interesting for me being in the being in both the camps over the last 10 days or so, watching them train and stuff like that, kind of just walking around. It's amazing how we are so stats obsessed because that's the only thing we can get our hand on. And we look at players and we like, we look at players and we say, oh, he's 1.92 and 120 kg. So he's gigantic stuff like that. It's so interesting when you're actually like in the environment and, you, and, you, and, and stuff like that. And some players who you expect to be really big are really mm-hmm. big. Some players who, you know, you don't think of as being particularly big um, are a lot bigger, and, and there are some bigger players who are who are big, but not like like incredibly intimidating big, for example. Um, and, and so, it's quite, I mean, for example, um, K 
Caleb Clark is quite. He doesn't stand out, you know. He just, he just, he's, he's a, he's, I mean, he's a mass, absolute unit of a player. Yeah. Um, I think it was a, it was a 30 kg swing between him and Kirtley Orenser. But when he was running around, you know, I didn't immediately go, and you don't sit there going, oh shit, like look at the size of him. And you, you do see it a bit more when he like runs into Kirtley Orenser, you'll see the difference in the size. But he wasn't like a massive standout. You didn't, as I said, I didn't, he didn't walk past, and you went shit. Like imagine having stopped that. Where there are a couple of players where you do sit there and go, like. I mean, Arceus Neyman was walking up the stairs behind me at, at the team hotel, and you sat there going, where were you created? <laughs> because, like, yeah, he's, he's just... Walking up behind you, but was also somehow in front of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and he was at the bottom of the staircase, and then he was still, and, and I was at the top, and he's looking me in the eye, and I'm not short. <laughs> he's just... I mean, I'm, was... I'm barely five foot ten, so I, he'd probably look absolutely like... I'd just yeah. be like... What? <laughs> well, that's that's the thing, you know. You walk in there, and you're, and you're sitting there saying, oh, "I'm basically I'm six three. I'm I'm probably be quite bigger." And you're going, "Shit, shit, shit." Um, and there are also guys who aren't particularly tall. Like like Yasperis is not a particularly tall guy, but that guy's got a presence about him. Like he's got that. You don't want to fight. I mean, look, I mean, he's not short, but I mean, compared to like a Peter Steph, the tall Adrian from Ireland, guys who are all sort of around two meters. He's but he's a flipping unit of a man. Certainly, uh, certainly, so, 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 so you can see why he's being used as just basically a scud missile. Caleb <laughs> um, Clark is is definitely a huge talent for them, and I don't think I mean he got very little to do on on in the yeah. game. Look, we saw. I mean, it's funny because we there were so many there were so many fine margins last weekend. I mean, you think of that ankle tap on Will Jordan. Yeah. If he goes through there, he he scores from those sort of positions. Um, you know, uh, and and there were a couple of other um, uh, just sort of small fine margins where if they gotten it right, I think it could have been a very different game. Um, I mean, I mean, there was like, like if you looked at how important the, the, the Malcolm Marks turnovers were, you know, they were like some of them, they were on their way to score. You think about that that tackle where they, where, that I think it was Marks and Kitsoff on Coles, where they mm. were had front foot ball, front foot ball, right on the five, and then they tackle and then knocked the ball on in in the collision. You know, yeah. so they, I mean, I, I, th- I think I had a laugh because somebody commented and said, um, you know, considering how much possession we had and, and how much territory we have to have only won by 16 points is a disgrace, et cetera, et cetera. And I said to him in the comment, I said, you realize that statistically they actually had more possession than the Springboks did. And that's, that is fairly typical of a Springbok game. Yeah. Uh, even, even, even what we're saying is it was a, was a fairly dominant performance. They, they, they don't always have the ball in hand. Mm. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think they, I think they are, the changes are important positions. You know, they have added some physicality in the in the loose trio. They've changed the props, whether it'll work or not. They've they've tried to change something up front, um, and then they've changed your number ten, and that can be, you know, very often, very often can be the biggest change you can make in terms of a of a style change or, or somebody's um, quite different. So they have made, I would say, I would say they're fairly significant changes. You know, it's not just a case of we're, we're you know we're swapping out a wing and we're swapping out maybe a lock and we're swapping our hookers around. They have made fairly significant changes from a from a team composition point of view. Mm. Um, I naturally think that they will be better because I think they've obviously played the the, the, the spring marks. They've had a week to acclimatize. The problem obviously is the whole altitude thing. So very intelligent, really, to to have the Ellis Park thing as a as a second game. Um, because and, and it is going to be very warm. Look, it'll be in the evening, so it'll be a little bit cooler. Yeah. But it won't. It won't be. It won't be cold, cold. Um, but then looking at the spring box, a couple of changes being made. Joseph Dweber has come into the side um, as a late replacement. Ironically, yeah. it's a late replacement, and yet he's still being named before the All Black side was named. But uh, <laughs> no Bongi, Top Dog, Imbanambi, and Dweber moving back into the starting lineup. 
JC Creel on the wing and Jasper Visa down to the bomb squad. Hershey Yankees coming in. Jaden Hendricks is starting, which he basically did last week. Anyway, um, we'll start with we'll start with Dweber, um, who is getting a lot of flack um, for he hasn't had a particularly good time since since leaving South African Shores. You know, I think he played. 48% of the season now as a starter. He was coming off the bench for, for Bordeaux a lot. Um, was even less than that the, the season before. But had a re- average game against Wales, I'd say, in the second test. But I thought last year, I mean, that British and Irish Lions, when he played in the for the um, SAA, had quite a decent um, game. But, yeah, what's what's your take on, on, on Dweba up front? And, I mean, what a big game for him to actually come in and, and play. Uh, I quite like him. I feel like he's more... Of a, uh, he's a bit looser than um, someone like Marks. He'll he'll throw the ball around a bit more. Um, you know, he'll you'll have him breaking off the side and actually trying to run. Like I remember he, when he mm. like took on bigger and ran straight into him. Like that would scare the shit out of me. So, <laughs> um, I think it'll be interesting to see how he does. And fortunately, I mean, for South Africa, they've got the best hooker in the world coming straight off the bench. If anything does go wrong, so I mean, <laughs> yeah. why not try it? Yeah, and I think, I mean, he's placing Mongi Manambi, who's very aggressive, very confrontational, very yeah. physical. And I think Joe Strebe is very much in that mold. I mean, Flip, he's somebody, as I said, you, you look at him and he's he's large, eh? And even uh, they asked they asked Cody Taylor about him. They said, you know, what do you what do you make of Joe Strebe? And he just said, he said, well, he's a he's a unit. Um, so he was, I mean, he was actually saying that he was he was very, apparently that obviously they had a conversation a couple of weeks ago and he was, and uh, Dweber was saying he was hoping to get some game time. Um, but Cody Taylor was saying that he reckons that he's going to bring a lot of physicality. And I think he is because he is a very large human. And I know he's coming off the back of, of pretty poor seasons. But again, it's 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 quite interesting. And I think that's why the, the, the Springbok management get a lot of support for the players is the fact that there's so much trust in a lot of their players from them in that Apollard, you know, also spent literally 50% of the season on the bench. So he only started 50% of the season. Um, but... They know that he's he's going to be the start. They're going to back and they're going to support him. If he plays badly, consecutively, there is the opportunity. And like no one's not going to say that you're not going to get dropped, but you know, I think they're quite upfront by saying we trust you, and if we trust you, we'll back you. And no one kind of gets thrown to the dogs and stuff like that. So, I think Dreb has been told, you know, he hasn't been playing as much as they'd like, but they still back him. Um, and and I, and I think it's a big, I think it's a big, big opportunity for him. I mean, it's one of the biggest test matches of the year. Um, it's it's at altitude, so you know, and 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 Ellis Park where we generally do try and run a bit more to try and sort of tie them out. So I think you'll have a lot of opportunity ball in hand. Um, but after the season that uh, Jan Krabbelo had, he he is under a lot of pressure to perform um, and nail down that third that third choice. But as you said, the nice thing is, um, same with Dwayne, really. Um, you know, if if things are going well or going badly, you can then say, right, well, we'll, we'll make the changes and know that you've got yeah, good support. Um, Mm. And that's that's also, I mean, people are talking about the depth that the Springboks have been developing. And Dwayne Fabian said about, spoke about it Tuesday, yeah, Tuesday, and he was said that, um, you know, he said his biggest, uh, the, the best thing about about the squad and about the environment is that he knows on Saturday he runs out and he empties the tank. You know, he gives it all. And if he lasts 30 minutes, he lasts 30 minutes. If he lasts 60, 70 minutes, he can last 60, 70 minutes. But there's never a thought of I'm going to slow down and look after myself because, you know, there's not much coming with the bench. It's literally a case of you go out, yeah. you flip and do what you do. And as soon as you're buggered, you know that the next person is going to come on and do a good job. And we're seeing the cameos we've seen from Malcolm Marks hits off Quaker Smith playing some of his best rugby of, of his career. 
Um, so it's amazing how much it must be such a healthy environment to play in that you you don't you, you just go out and you play and 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 if you if you don't have a bad, if you don't have your best game or whatever you'll get replaced but there's also no there's very little animosity when it comes to replacements. Trevor Yukani was sub before half time, but you know he walks off, he's happy with his job done and stuff like that. There was no sort of oh should I've been taken off because I didn't do my job or whatever or I'm being dropped or whatever. Mm. It was just that was my job. Um, yeah, I mean, one thing you'll see a lot more probably at amateur level rugby is the kind of um, it, it, when you're taken off before you probably think you need to be. It's like oh okay, well shit. I've been subbed because I haven't done. A, I haven't played well, or you're angry that you're getting taken off when you feel like you haven't done what you want to do. But I think playing in a, in the kind of environment where it's like, okay, well, that doesn't matter because at the end of the day, it's not my ego. It's making sure we win. That's all that matters, mm. and that's probably the healthiest environment you can be in because then ego is at the door, and you know, if you need to come off, great. Well, they'll probably sub themselves off if they need to. <laughs> like, listen, Chess, I'm done here. You guys can sub me anytime. Badly, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, but, but on the flip side, it's quite interesting because they were talking, because I think that's something that I actually, I, I don't think I'd thought about this, is the fact that the forwards go out and they empty the tank. But for the backline players, it's basically expected for majority of them by the scrum off that they will play 80 minutes. Um, you know, Dale Endy was saying that he hasn't been subbed in, in, in many, many matches because, you know, generally it's he's not really in a position that gets subbed. Like Kanye Am plays in 80 minutes week in, week out. That's kind of a given. Andre Pollard will never be subbed unless he's he's injured. Um, so it's quite interesting on the flip side, yeah. the fact that the, the, the backline players have to play. What was that? Uh, Sorry? That, that while the forwards can go empty the tank, the backline players actually all generally have to play their full 80 minutes. Well, that's because you've got a um, fly, a, a, another fly half who consistently gets a chance and completely fucks it up, uh, <laughs> and uh, which is sad for him because I, I, I think uh, Yankee, Yankees used to be such a good player. Um, I re- remember that year where the Lions actually did something in Super Rugby. There were three uh, of them, actually. Let's <laughs> be very clear about them. There were three years we did something. In fact, I would say three I mean, and a half because there was a year before we weren't too bad either. I can't say anything to be as a shark supporter because we either lose finals or we get semi-finals and get obliterated. So there's not much point in talking. Yeah, and at least when we're losing, we can sit there saying, "Well, we've got a bad squad, so we expect to lose." You guys don't have the excuse. For us, it's always uh, the jet lag. It's like, "Well, then get a home semi. Stop being fucking lazy." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was tough traveling. Well, then be better. <laughs> exactly. And like, I, you're not... is, like, they have no excuse now, but they're still shit. <laughs> and there's definitely no excuse next season. I'm sorry. Like, I mean, well, I mean, you still haven't found the fly half. Um, but you've added added Ryan Jansen from Rensburg, which hacks me. You've added Ibn Etzebeth, which is about right. Um, a position we don't hella need, but uh, that's fine. I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure you guys will add another loose forward as well. Just, 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 just for just for just. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and I see that Benilo's left, so you're actually short another fly half. Um, didn't we? Didn't we sign resign? Um, what's his name? Ini Radebi. I don't know if he's. A, yeah, I think he's been because he was playing um, like club rugby and stuff like that. Um, oh, he came back. I think he. I think he's. I think he's been in the, in the um, playing in the Carry Cup a bit. Um, mm. So yeah, look, I mean, that's that's a kid who would be would be really cool to see him. Not even if he makes it, makes it, but just he's had such a weird career path. It'd be quite cool just to see him playing back at the highest level. 
Um, but you yeah, know, I mean, we... thinking about uh, South Africa and one player who, if he didn't get concussed so much and stayed playing, that they they could one hundred percent use and would have over the last few years is Pat Lambie. Well, I think the biggest problem is they never they never they never replaced him. You know, he, they never they never managed to find that that ten that they could rely on week in week out. Um, and you know, the, if you look at the last sort of ten years, the you know the Bulls had that with Pollard for a few years. The Lions have had that for a long time with Alton Yankees. Um, mm-hmm. Stormers also kind of sometimes struggled a little bit um, with the, with their fly half, their peer ground for years. And now they're kind of feeling that they've got look. Stormers now have. I mean, if I was Sharks, I would be looking at those Stormers fly halves and saying, surely we can we can we can grab one. I mean, Gomez is coming through. You've got K Volatil. You still got Money Leibock. Um, you know, Dame Villas seems to settle at twelve, which I'm quite glad to see from a from a Storm's point of view. But yeah, Sharks still don't have a sort of a, a fly off. So, but that's that's your own that's your own issue. You guys can sort that crap out uh, once once. Apparently, we don't. Though. <laughs> yeah, look, if you guys think you guys have issues, go and go and look at the the players we've signed, and um and then and then come and chat. But um, yeah, so so back just back to the Springbok uh, uh, aside. Yeah, I think Joseph Davis is going to be fine. Uh, I think Dwayne from Muren is Dwayne from Muren. So I think that it might take him a, a few minutes to get back into it. But if there's one player in the world who can produce a very good performance after a while after it is him. And again, yeah. you've got Jasper Visa and Quaka Smith if you need to replace him. So you've got both options in terms of type of player. The the big one that's got everybody riled up is Jesse Creel on the wing, which, I mean, you saw against Scotland. You, I mean, yeah, he played against Scotland last year on the wing. I personally don't understand the meltdown about him. Um, I think he's a very nothing sensational, not chasing Colby, not going to be the best wing in the world. But I really don't think there's any need to panic over JC Creel's well, wing. I, I don't. I don't think after the performance last weekend that you need that. I wouldn't say you'd want mm-hmm. to go. Okay, guys, we you know we want to win this one as well, but let's go for the most flair, slightly you know not most utilized player, and see what happens. You want something that's you know, you've used it before. Very, it's fairly solid. Um, you've got Mapimpi who scores for fun anyway. So I'd, I'd like, you don't need another zippy winger. Um, he does his job. And I mean, obviously, the, I, I would argue there are better wings than him, but he's, he's got experience. And yeah, fair enough. Don't blame him for putting him there. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, you look you look at the job, and this is the, this is the funny thing. Uh, and they and they spoke because yesterday they were asking Mapimpi, they were saying, you haven't had much ball in hand for example and and he basically said you know he said this is the game plan he said it took him a while to adjust but he says this is the box game plan and you know i think what makes Mapimpi so valuable to the box is not necessarily i mean he's a phenomenal finisher but it's almost his other attributes that are so important it's his aerial work which he worked a hell of a lot he had to work very hard on as well as defense but it's being a box wing is about work rate you know yeah. it's about it's about you know you i mean it's about you're chasing kick after kick after kick. You're making a lot of tackles. And ironically, a week ago, everybody was worried about Kirkley Orange up against Caleb Clark. But a week later, people aren't going, well, if there's one thing we don't have to worry about, it's physically, you know, Caleb Clark running into Jesse Creel. You know, Creel is a very, very good defender. Um, so that's that's not really an issue. Um, and and I think, I mean, you're looking, you're, I mean, people are sort of saying, oh, well, he's not fast enough. I don't know what Jesse Creel you've been watching because Jesse Creel has got wheels. He's not slow. Um, no, he's not. <laughs> if Jesse Creel is slow, then I'm flipping nowhere. <laughs> um, so I, I don't. I think he'll be very solid. I think he. As I said I think he's a very safe pick. You know, he's he's good under the high ball. He's a former fullback. He's not slow, and he's very physical. Um, 
I thought he I thought he played pretty well um in that in that I mean I must have been a year ago when when he wasn't on the wing I wasn't over enthusiastic about that but I had to, to put my hands up and say you know what he wasn't x factorish but he was he was solid he made some very good contributions I thought he actually played pretty well against um, Scotland um actually, in, in that that's game. A good- that's a good point from LB um, about the NFL. They're called repetitions. Wingers need to be able to sprint all game. Jesse Creel might be one of the fittest people on the planet. He is unbelievably fit. Dude, and if you think that like he switches it on, like you talk about people who like look conditioned. That just walks around the team hotel and you're like, dude, do you ever have an off day? Like, do you ever not look like you have been like flipping sculpted? Like he is just like I mean, he as I said, he just looks like a walking flipping poster boy for for half the blooming supplement companies in the world. Great statue. Um, <laughs> yeah, if there's one guy that's conditioned and, and and will never will never fail a fitness test, it is it is Jesse Greel. That man is very well conditioned. I'd I'd hate to I'd hate to know what his beat test and bronco stats are. Yeah, I know they must be disgusting. Um. But yeah, so I think uh, I, I, I think that Creel is going to be more than fine. Um, do he you works think, hard again. Do you think that? Um, oh God, no, I've completely forgotten his name. Um, do you think Esther Hazen will ever get back into the box squad? Well, he is in the box squad. Okay. Do you ever think he'll start? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. It's, it's it's quite interesting because in many ways, people are now saying um, that Willemser is. Now a preferred second choice option at centre. Then, then um, in fact, some people are even calling for Dillinson to start. So I, ne- I don't think that Dillinson ever gets the, the praise he deserves. I think Esther Hayes will get another chance this 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 rugby championship. Um, whether it's against Australia or Argentina, I do think he'll he'll he will start one of the games. Um, I think the issue is that it's such a tricky one because it's so difficult to get that one match and to really impress. But at the same time, you've only got twelve tests a year. So you can't afford to just say, right, well, we're going to play him for three tests and see if it works. Because if it doesn't work, then you've lost three of the only 15 you've got until the next World, until World Cup next year, you know, which is about 25%. Um, so, so it's, it's, uh, I do think we'll see him. For me, what I keep, what I keep telling everybody, because everybody keeps worrying, you know, we haven't seen Ruan Okia. Where's Evan Ruiz? Where's Flippin mm. Ulrich Lowe? Where are all these players? We're playing seven matches in November. You know, we've got we've because we've got three midweek matches. Oh yeah, shit! You're playing Bristol. Yeah, Bristol, and I was I was trying to I was was speaking to a couple of New Zealand guys trying to see if we can confirmation, but they they don't seem to know. But there's there's rumours about a SAA versus New Zealand A game in in the midweek, Mm. Um, and then we're playing another um, other sort of premier side or something like that. So. You know, there's the four tests of which one against one is against Italy, which is always an opportunity to to play a couple of players. But I mean, that means I'm that good. you know, <laughs> but <laughs> for people for people like Esther Hayes and Evan Lewis, Ulrich Lowe, Intukunzunu, for example, there, there's at least three tests or three matches that they will very likely start, if not get at least sort of forty to fifty minutes in. So, um, yes, I mean, there might not be test matches necessarily, but there is a lot of time in that in that tour to really and and I think the nice thing is you know you, for example you play against Ireland and maybe we lose and then midweek you suddenly have Esther Hazen who puts in a brilliant performance um, you still back there in India against France but he doesn't have a great match you then say right Esther Hazen you'll play against Italy um, on the back of that really good performance midweek performance and if you play well then you'll play against England um, although he can't play against England because it's actually outside the test window. Um, 
that whole England game is going to be very interesting. Um, mm. Because everybody keeps saying, you know, well, it's a, it's a test for, 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 for um, the Springboks because it's outside the test window. But what's going to happen to the England players? I mean, do they have an agreement with the club for this game? Because it's also outside the test window for them. And Premiership players historically don't release their players. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens there with some of the clubs. And also, I, I, mean, can... I imagine Eddie Jones will be like, right, you're fucking listening to me or I'm just going to not pick you. <laughs> yeah. If you want to play in the World Cup, you will tell your, your chaps back there that you are playing and it's non-negotiable. But then, for example, at, I don't know, let's say at Leicester Tigers. So Leicester release their English players. Can they justify releasing their English players, but then not releasing Jasper Visa? You know, like that would that would be an interesting situation. That won't I mean, go down well. <laughs> yeah, the guy. Um, excuse me. Uh, you might find that you might find that the um, the Premiership have made a plan for that and put in a buy, but not sure. Yeah, I know. I know there's no uh, URC in that week. Um, so and look, the SA franchises would release them anyway. Um, they basically yeah. they wouldn't get a choice. Uh, the Japan players are the bit of the interesting one, where they'll be allowed to play because obviously no Japan Japanese based players will be no Mostert, no Quaker Smith, no Lutiago, no Piece of Toy, uh, no Billy Larue, no Jesse Creel. Um, Although to be fair, in that regard, they're all very experienced, so it's not the end of the world. Yeah, well, I think that's why some people were saying it's almost quite exciting if. If, if it was basically like a South African and maybe the France-based players because mm. um, it would mean Pollard wouldn't play. So somebody else would have to play at flower half. It would mean probably a new scrum off. It would probably be, you know, front row-wise, you wouldn't have Trevor, you wouldn't have... Um... Actually, in the front row would be pretty much a ride. It would just be Malcolm Marx and Vincent Cochley wouldn't be available and Trevor. But you'd have, like, locks-wise, you wouldn't have... Uh, I suppose, actually, no, you would have Eben because now not playing for the Sharks. But you wouldn't have Lourdes Diaga and you wouldn't have um, Franco Mostert and you wouldn't have Pierre Toy potentially if you know the Japanese players. So yeah, so some people some people are saying it's quite a nice opportunity. Um I, I I'd be very surprised if we do have to play with such a rotated side. Mm. But but it is interesting. But yeah, I think that's the main thing is the fact that you've got seven matches in a month. So yeah. then or, or test matches, but there's plenty of time for players who want to uh make a point to 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 play. That's a great comment. <laughs> who will own Farrell clothesline in November if S Day isn't isn't there? Probably Marcus Smith. <laughs> Try and get the <laughs> Just oh no! <laughs> bah! Cheers. Whoops, his hair got in the way. <laughs> yeah, I think it's an interesting uh, upcoming series for Marcus Smith because I think he's had some very good games, and but also he's always had the, the odd, the odd, the odd struggles, which is which is pretty expected to be honest. I mean, um, if they if they can get that 10-12 axis right, I think it could be very scary because Owen Farrell yeah. was playing proper rugby lately. I I think he, he's. Both in best and both uh, best and worst case scenarios, because when uh, England performs well, I mean, he's he's arguably one of the best fly halves in the world. But England performing subpar or even normal, uh, which seems to be more often than not recently, um, he struggles because it's then oh he's the playmaker he has to do fucking everything otherwise England's screwed and I think he does as much as he can. But he's also a bit stifled by the fact that England don't know how to play with a shitty mindset. <laughs> like, uh, England, yeah. we're losing. Well, we're fucked, aren't we? And it's so boring to watch. Fred, Fred yeah, Stewart is amazing. Yeah, look, they're awesome. They're awesome. Nice, nice players coming through. Um, and and I, 
I think Freddie Stewart is a is a is a, is a proper proper player. Look, I I after the British and Irish Lions series, I find it difficult to not like Farrell. And I know that a lot of South Africans, he's a bit of a nobody likes him obviously because of the tackles he's had. But and I think he does have a fundamental issue with with the way he tackles. Um, but he's you know in press conferences and with the media, and he, he comes across as a very level-headed, very down-to-earth, very nice guy. Um, almost unfortunately, because it was very easy to dislike him. But I, f- I find it very difficult these days not to like him because he just he's such a class act off the field um, yeah, and I mean, on the field, really. Yeah. I mean, like, you look at some of the big England matches. I mean, that, that semi-final in the World Cup, you know, it, yeah, he's just, he, when, he, when, he, when he turns it on, he's a different level. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely a very good player. I don't think he'll be... I mean, he, he probably will play 10 again a, few, a couple of times. I don't think he should. Because I think George Ford is a better ten than Farrell. Mm. I think Farrell should stay at twelve, but I don't think, I, unfortunately, I don't see George Ford ever getting back in the squad, which is unfair because he's still bloody amazing. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a, it's a weird one. But I mean, England are fucked for centres at the moment. Without Tuilagi, yeah. England is pointless. Yeah, well, you can rely on Tuilagi for about a hundred minutes of rugby a year. So choose your hundred minutes very carefully. Yeah, and hopefully against New Zealand and South Africa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All the time against them. Uh, yeah, there's nothing like a tour logging masterclass against the box. It's funny how certain players always seem to sort of do things against certain teams. Um, and then get injured. Yeah, no, literally. literally. Um, but That's so frustrating. But yeah, I mean, this is, it's not, not too much change from a box point of view. On the bench, I mm. think the bomb squad... Is, is very much a bomb squad um, in terms oh, of having Franco Master, Quacker Smith, Jasper Visa players you very much add to the game. And no, nothing nothing against Solomon Murat, but he's not going to have the same impact as a Jasper Visa in terms of really running at um, the All Blacks in the last sort of 15 to 20 minutes. Um, but, I mean, on the bench, I think the only the only notable name for me on the bench is, is Herschel Yankees, who's been gifted an opportunity to really say, don't throw away me just yet because Jaden Hensher has just gone cheers chap he saw the inside line he's taken it and he's now you know genuinely pushing Faf to be the starting scrum off um, and Hersh Yankees has been lost on the along the wayside um, so it's a big match for him yeah I think Jaden Hendricks is is a very good player um, and it seems like he's he's uh, seems to have shipped his uh, constant habit of getting yellow cards for the, just the stupidest shit in the world, playing for the Sharks. Um, so that's good, at least. <laughs> yeah, I think, as I said, I mean, from, and, and people made the Farida Pierre comparisons, which like, some people blew out of, out of comparison, because I, I, I can see the similarities, you know, not, I mean, it, I mean, not, no one's saying he's going to be, the, he's going to be one of the best come-offs, if not the best come-off of all time for South Africa, but he's just a complete player. You know, he, he's got a kicking game. His defense is very good. Is, mm. He's very, very level-headed. He reads the game so well. I mean, he was he was just made for Test match rugby. You know, he played that first game against Wales, and you sat there going, "This guy just looks. He looks like a fifty-cap player." That's like the biggest thing about him. He doesn't look like he's playing in his. I mean, last week was his third game, fourth game, for the Springboks against mm. the All Blacks, and he had to play eighty minutes. And, and I don't think it. And and not at one stage did you ever sit there going, mm, "That's the young, the inexperienced coming." I mean, I don't know. I mean, he's twenty-two years old. And yeah. he and he just made it look very very straightforward. Uh, so so I think that he's I think that Hershey Young is going to have to do a lot to to keep a spot in the squad because we do have 
four, basically five scrum offs in the squad. You know, there's still Kubis Reynach coming back. Yeah, he's just, I think his biggest problem is he's just injuries at the wrong time. You know, every time yeah. where you should have an opportunity to really grab it, um, he tends to get injured. So, so I think at the moment... Like, he scored like the quickest four tries in a, in a, in a game or something. Yeah, he's like Canada or something. He scored four tries in scary amount of time. Yeah, and he's flipping. He's, he's so games. fast. He's, he's just like, like yeah. But but yeah, he still pissed. needs to come back. I was pissed when he left the Sharks. Oh my god, I was so angry. Hey, you you don't you don't. I'll tell you all about how to get over players leaving your union. <laughs> I'm I, I I am well versed in the rhetoric. Um. To be fair, but, the Sharks uh, do have some seriously serious howlers of letting players go. I mean, I, Rory Cockett should never let him go. He was arguably one of the best Sharks players. You let time. him go to us, and then we let him go to flip them overseas. <laughs> and we didn't have a we never scrum off when you let him go. We were just like, oh, cheers, and we were like, ah. But I mean, and we didn't go like, like halfway through the season. It wasn't even like in a transfer market or something. He just he just upped and left. And then letting go of the Dupree brothers. Two of them. The third one can fuck right off, but the, the other two I would have loved to have kept. Listen, we've lost our, our three best players of the season to South African franchises. <laughs> Not even like if 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 a, if a premiership side or a top 14 side come in and say to Vincent Tuka, Similani and Carly Sari, here are all the Euros and they leave. Fine. Fine. Mm. We've all got the same salary cap. How are we losing those guys to Sharks and Bulls? Who... I, don't know, I don't know how the Sharks haven't breached their salary cap. Uh, there's a Saracens there's a Saracens thing happening. It has to be. There must be so much endorsements and stuff coming on the side. It has to be. Well, the thing, yeah, they've, they've what? They got bought out by that American company. Yeah, MVM Holdings. Um, Rock Nation is, is not big. So they, I said that they must be cooking up the endorsements. Yeah. I reckon that the Sharks are being paid in other ways put it that way yeah i know you'll you'll you have your base contract which will probably be, you, you, i'm sure I'm, I'm telling you right now you probably find their their base contract their sharks contract for many okay. of them are, are less um than what they were at their former unions but mm. they'll arrive there and all of a sudden they'll have this sponsor that endorsement this thing and all of a sudden they'll have found an extra like 50 to 60 probably even a hundred thousand rand a month through various endorsements and partners that uh, the good old Sharks and Rock Nation have managed to to link them up. Uh, that we'll ha- for me, it has this. to be the only way. We'll let you borrow this, but you don't have to give it back. <laughs> yeah. No. And, uh, you know, this we'll leave you in the room together. This this is the guy that runs this company and that company and this guy. So we'll just, you know, come over for a bribe. Oh, just, they just happen to be here. Next thing you know, that you've got flipping Oaks who are being sponsored by like next level companies. Uh, I mean, Sia Khaleesi could very well be the best played, best played player in the world with the amount of endorsements he's got. Uh, he's just everywhere. He's all of a sudden the most marketable player in the world. To be fair, I mean, everyone loves him, even outside of rugby. Well, how can you not? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's he's a World Cup winning captain, historic first player captain ever in South Africa, and at, at the end of the day, he's, first of all, he's a great player, and he's a nice guy, and just a solid citizen. So... Yeah, I know. So he's, he's he's very marketable. But uh, yeah, so just before we wrap up, two games this weekend. We haven't really spoken about Argentina versus Australia, but we will get it. We will get score predictions. So predictions first of all for Argentina versus Australia, and then I want a prediction for the the All Blacks and uh, the Box. Oh, I see Quade Cooper's not injured, and uh, somebody else. Some a big a big name's also pulled out. 
I'm having a quick look at that. Oh, uh, Ella has gone. Michael Ella has been is withdrawn from, as well. So good luck. Yeah, no, I, I um, no, I don't see Argentina winning. I mean, it might be an interesting game, but I don't see Argentina winning. No, you see, I'm actually, I, I think, I think Argentina do win this game. I don't know why, but I've just got a, I've got a feeling that they, they're going to pitch up this weekend. I mean, I'm I'm not going to watch the game to be honest. I, I I I literally cannot bear to watch Australia play rugby, unless it's just solely like like a camera on Quade Cooper. Otherwise, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, and uh, for me, I, I always I always hated watching Australia because um, there were so many like players you like I would dislike. But I, I, for me, it's it's almost like frustrating because there aren't that many players I really dislike on the Australian side. Mm. Um, I really, I, re- I mean, Nick Nick White was so annoying when we played him last year. But the more I watch him, the more I like him. He's a very he's, good player, but he's annoying. He's got a great moustache. Well, he's just such an, he's, he's just such a number nine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, he's just. But that's the thing, and he's. he's but he's a number nine. There are some under nines who are pain in the asses, but like just real pain in the asses. And he's kind of got that sort of. He's 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 growing on me a lot. I actually quite enjoy him. Thing is, he, um, he's he's the typical number nine, but he's a typical Aussie number nine, and it's just like. Fuck! You just would not. You wouldn't fit in anywhere else in the world. <laughs> yeah, no, but but he, yeah, I, I, I quite, I quite enjoy it. So you going? So you going in a, a, a Wallabies win? Um, yeah, I, I think uh, not massive. I think it'll be probably closer um, on the scoreboard anyway than it was last week. But I, I reckon Aussies will win. Okay. I can't um, stand as well for now. Dix, Matthew Dixon. I can't stand him. Not yeah. because he's not a good player. He is, of course, he's got a huge talent, but he's just such a cunt. Yeah, he's just, unfortunately, you're a bit of a knob. And by he's a bit, so it means you, you are a very large knob. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. Unfortunately, far too many rugby players have their, have their downfalls, and they're pretty big downfalls. But uh, you're all right, and then box versus. Uh, so, if, yeah, for, I'm, I'm going with an Archie to win. I reckon I'm going Archie to buy eight. Okay. Um, that's that my... that was by, by six. Yeah, so we're both going not massive whitewash. No. Um, you're going with a couple penalties. I'm going with a converted try and some. Uh, right, then the, the big game. Box, All Blacks, Ellis Park, Altitude. Must win game for the All Blacks. Dun, dun, dun. See, last week I said the All Blacks would win and they got kind of screwed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so my predictions are clearly shit. <laughs> Yeah, true. So I'm actually going to bet on Argentina right now after that. <laughs> so just always pick who I don't pick. Yeah. So like whenever I pick England to win, they'll lose, guaranteed. It's all, it's yeah, written So, so if part. you can just send me your Super Bowl picks and I'll go put some money on the other ones, then then that will be a very nice uh See, if system. I'm picking players for fantasy, great. I'll win everything. But if I'm <laughs> picking teams, nope. <laughs> I'll always pick the best players in the losing team. It's always happening. No, I mean, fair enough. Fair enough. Um... Box, mm. yeah, box by two. By two, yeah, yeah. Flip, I'm gonna be, I'll be sweating my flipping thing off if it's gonna be that close. Uh, I yeah, yeah. I don't think, I don't, I don't think it'll be. The box will never, as I said, sixteen points in itself was quite a surprise. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't see it being as one-sided as it was last week, and I see them. Uh, the All Blacks having a bounce, they have to. I, at some point. I could very well, I could very easily see the Springboks having to come from behind. 
to win? Yeah, I think that, I mean, if the All Blacks score early, I think the box are going to be under a shitload of pressure for the whole game. Yeah, but I do think that the altitude will swing things in favor. You know, I think that that, that slow poison, the bomb squad, the whole impact towards the end of the game. Um, as, as long as New Zealand are within reach within half an hour, I think the, uh, the, the box should be able to get the job done. Um, which but job? Stock, All right. Which stock should I not invest in? Uh, <laughs> Disney, Apple. Um... Don't go into stocks. Go bet it all on red at the local casino and see how you go. Bet it all on red. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, I might as well like just give out bad advice and just sell it and just be like, I, just do the opposite and you'll go. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you think, just just do it. Yeah. Cool. Well, Carl, thanks so much for jumping on. And to all Sorry. the people in the comments, stuff like that. Um, we won't be live for tomorrow because I'm going to be driving around half of Johannesburg filming box and going to press conferences. We're going to be at Ellis Park in the morning doing some filming with the box training run, which will be quite cool. Um, and then we'll be we'll obviously have those on DV stick and see a Khaleesi show tomorrow afternoon. Their press conference is at quarter to three, I think. So we'll have that for about four o'clock. Uh, so the next time we will be live is on Saturday. Our watch along will start at about one o'clock with pre-build up up through to four. And then we'll be our um, we'll be live at four o'clock. Um, and then we'll have Arch University Australia hopefully again. Uh, well, not again. We didn't manage to do it last week. So hopefully we'll have it this week. Um, but apart from that, please do smash like on the video. Please do subscribe to the channel as well. Carl, we'll hopefully see you next week for, for the fan forum. Yeah. Um, and uh, then we will yeah, see everybody else soon. Um, do smash like on the, on the way out, by the way, and subscribe to the channel. There's a chance to even get up to 17,000 um, by the end of the weekend. Cool. Thanks, guys. And chat to you soon.